The sun emits millions of tons of material into space every second and vast quantities of light, heat and radiation. It's made life on Earth possible, but it puts life in space at risk, as well as the infrastructure and technologies we've all come to rely on. This Nie Ato Seven Seis Fünf Stere Drei Dwa One Welcome to ESA Explores, and in this episode, we ask you to name our upcoming space weather mission. I'm Rosa Jesse, editor at ESA's Operations Center in Germany, and I spoke to Yussi Luntama, head of space weather. Hello, everybody listening. My name is Juha-Pekka Luntama. I'm the head of the space weather office uh, in European Space Agency. And my responsibility in ESA is to uh, manage the development of uh, space weather capability for Europe uh, to protect us, our planet and our infrastructure here on Earth, but also in space against the uh, potentially adverse effects of solar activity and space weather. So we are talking today about our Name the Mission campaign because we're going to be launching at some point a new space weather mission. And maybe you could talk a bit about what this mission is and what it will do and why it's so special. Yes, um, the new mission that we are developing is planned to fly quite far from the Earth. We uh, plan to put this mission into a point which is called the fifth uh, Lagrangian point, uh, which is on the same orbit as the Earth is orbiting the Sun, but it's 150 million kilometers behind the Earth. So this point is actually constantly uh, trailing the Earth. And the purpose of this mission is to help us to uh, monitor space weather, so to uh, observe the Sun, the solar activity, these uh, eruptions in the sun that we call solar events. So sometimes there are big explosions on the um, surface of the sun and uh, they create uh, conditions that can be hazardous. Uh, in space, uh, they create a charged particle radiation uh, that impacts our activities in space, both uh, spacecraft, satellites, robotic exploration, but also human exploration. And then they also cause uh, situations that can impact our infrastructure here, even on Earth. Uh, because sometimes um, related to these events, the solar storms, um, there are uh, events that we call coronal mass ejections or CMEs. Uh, uh, and these are uh, ejections of billion tons of solar plasma into space with speeds reaching up to 3000 kilometers per second. And if one of those plasma clouds happens to uh, hit the Earth, that will disturb the magnetic field that is protecting, protecting our planet uh, from uh, um, solar particles uh, and solar wind normally. Uh, and while it's not uh, dangerous to the people or any life on Earth, these geomagnetic storms triggered by these CME uh, hits uh, they disturb many of our uh, infrastructure elements uh, from satellites to um, telecommunication and navigation problems in aviation. And they can actually directly impact our uh, electric uh, power infrastructure. So the long power lines that we have from uh, uh, power production plants uh, to the uh, consumers. And they can even destroy the transformers on these power lines, uh, causing blackouts that will take uh, days, weeks, even months to repair. 
And so this mission will be monitoring the sun. Why is it different to other missions that are currently, you know, studying the sun, like ESA's Solar Orbiter or NASA's Solar Parker Probe? Solar Orbiter and Solar Parker Probe are fantastic science missions. So these missions are designed to observe our star and the uh, environment around the star so that we would understand the way our sun works and also particularly to understand better scientifically why the sun actually has these solar events. So why sometimes there are sudden eruptions in the sun that, uh, that trigger disturbances in space weather. But these missions, their purpose is to produce data that the scientists can then use to uh, study the sun and understand it better. And this process is normally it's taking time. So these satellites are on orbits uh, where they can only occasionally at certain times transmit the measurement data back to Earth and then make it available to the scientists. For space weather forecasting and space weather monitoring, we need the data down here on Earth very quickly. So we want to transmit the measurement data down on Earth immediately so that we can give accurate forecasts of the solar events when they might be happening. And when something happens in the sun, we want to announce an alert as quickly as possible. So this is why our space weather mission is designed to transmit the uh, observation data continuously as close to real time as possible down to Earth so that we can utilize the data within minutes uh, from its ar arrival. And so this position at the L5, which are these, uh, the Lagrange points are like these gravitationally balanced positions, is that right? Like between the sun and the earth, the gravitational forces kind of balance out in certain areas. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, the Lagrange points, uh, there are uh, several Lagrange points. There are actually five Lagrange points uh, between the earth and the sun. And uh, two of them, uh, this uh, the fifth Lagrange point, which is behind the Earth, trailing the Earth, and fourth Lagrange point, which is ahead of the Earth uh, with the same distance, they are basically stable points. So they are kind of gravitational plateaus where you can put the spacecraft and it stays there. It, it keeps mm -hmm. trailing the Earth uh, um, with the same distance without any um, station keeping. Yeah, cool. And so previously this mission was called the Lagrange mission because of this location that it was in. But what's particularly important about this position is what the spacecraft will see from there. So maybe you could just say a bit about that, that even though it's trailing Earth, it's getting a view kind of of the future. Yes, that's correct, uh, because the sun is actually rotating relatively fast. One full rotation of our sun, our star, takes only about 27 days. And uh, one full rotation of the Earth around the sun takes a year. So basically, if we have a satellite or a, a spacecraft in the um, uh, fifth Lagrange point, it sees the sun or the solar disk, which is not yet visible to the Earth. And that way, we can actually see the um, development of the um, active regions. Uh, these are groups of sunspots uh, that are the major source of the um, base weather, the, uh, the solar events. We can see them before they are visible to the Earth. And so we can give an advanced forecast of the uh, space weather, which will take place in uh, three or four days. There is also another feature, which is that the, the, our sun has 
regions. We call them coronal holes. These are regions where the uh, magnetic field of the sun is open to the uh, interstellar space. And the solar wind from these regions can uh, escape much faster than uh, elsewhere um, in the sun uh, on the solar disk. Uh, and uh, these fast solar wind streams also cause disturbances in um, the um, Earth's magnetosphere. Actually, literally today, we are in the middle of mm. one of these uh, fast uh, solar wind regions. So if you would go outside our magnetosphere today and you would measure the speed of the solar wind, as actually we do by spacecraft, uh, you could see that it's about twice as fast uh, as it would normally be. And it means in practice, uh, it's not yet at dangerous levels, but uh, tonight at high latitudes, if it's dark enough, you would see much more spectacular aurora oh, than cool. you would see normally. Yeah, well, that's the positive side of, of space weather, of course, see it being able to see the aurora. Sounds very useful. Um, and when will it launch? Well, the target is to launch the spacecraft uh, in uh, 2027. Um, and at the moment, we've just entered a new solar cycle. So, of course, events that we're talking about here are quite rare that a big coronal mass ejection or, or something could strike. But they do happen. And are they more likely now that we're in a new solar cycle in, into the solar maximum? The really big events, uh, these extreme solar events, uh, they are indeed rare. Um, and we don't have that much statistics because they are so rare. We know that there was a very big event in uh, 1859 um, that is called uh, Carrington event. It's, uh, it was actually an event uh, that uh, somehow started almost the uh, space weather research because that was the first event in the human history where solar activity disturbed man-made infrastructure. Uh, on those days, uh, uh, the uh, infrastructure meant uh, telegraph lines. So basically, um, the, uh, these long telegraph lines in the US and in Europe, they, um, there was so much current induced to those uh, lines that the wires uh, became red hot and they actually started fires in telegraph uh, offices. And so thanks to uh, clever thinking of some researchers, uh, particularly Richard Carrington in the UK, they made the connection between the solar event and this impact. And, and then the research on this topic has progressed. And today, with our current very efficient, very clever, but also uh, in some sense, very vulnerable inf infrastructure, a similar event would actually cause uh, quite mm -hmm. some uh, substantial damage. Uh, and also our daily life and activities would be substantially disturbed. So, um, but these big events, uh, they do not exactly depend on the phase of the um, solar cycle. So based on the statistics that we have, these relatively big events can happen at any time during the solar cycle. But now that we are again on the uh, rising edge of the solar activity, so we have just started the new solar cycle, the um, number of slightly smaller events, I think we call them big events, 
that probability will increase. So events that may not destroy the whole infrastructure, but will cause spectacular aurora, will disturb the satellites and will have some impacts on uh, satellite navigation, uh, human activities and robotic activities in space and can disturb, for example, aviation by disturbing communication and navigation systems. These will be more likely. Yeah, and you mentioned human activities. Of course, on Earth, we're not directly affected by space weather, but for astronauts or future missions to the moon, they you know, would do very well to have advanced warning of certain events that might be a radiation threat. Yes, um, when um, you're flying to the moon, uh, you definitely would like to avoid the days when there is a high risk of um, uh, solar particle events. So events where the sun and the activity in the sun triggers a, uh, a solar particle storm. These storms mean that there is suddenly a flux of uh, very high energy protons and electrons coming from the sun. And if you are in space outside the protection of the uh, magnetic field around the Earth, there is actually a substantial risk of radiation sickness uh, in these situations. So either you want to be in the most protected part of your spacecraft or in the future, for example, uh, when we have maybe permanent bases in the moon, you would like to be inside under the um, protective shelter of the, of the base itself. Yeah, really important. So we had a name, the Lagrange mission. Why do we need a new name? Well, Lagrange has been a working name for us. Um, it's uh, it's very it's a nice name, uh, first of all. It's but it's somehow it's very engineering connected, and because this is an exciting new mission, something that uh, mankind has never done before. We have never done. Uh, this kind of a deep space mission that is uh, operational in the sense that we will use the data from the mission directly to provide information and forecasts uh, that help to protect our planet and our infrastructure. And it's also the first mission ever going permanently to the um, L5 position. We're looking for a new name that reflects uh, the characteristics of the mission that uh, would be uh, memorable, uh, it would be interesting, and it would also reflect the objectives of the mission. Yeah, cool. So everyone listening, take note of all of those things and start thinking of potential names for this mission. Um, the only rules are that it should be no longer than three words and it should reflect the aims and goals of the mission. But obviously, the more interesting, as Yossi says, or exciting, the better. Yeah, I mean, I, I just would like to add that, I mean, uh, implementing a mission like this is a challenge. We're looking forward to actually maintain this capability and expand it further in the future. And so it would be great to have a really thrilling name for our first mission of this kind. And we are very much looking forward for all the proposals uh, that the um, listeners of this uh, podcast can provide us. Yeah, I can't wait to read some of them. Well, I can't wait to read all of them. I've tried to think of a few ideas myself and they're, they're not that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a, I mean, of course, this is also, uh, this is part of it. I mean, we are engineers, we are scientists. I'm 100% sure that there are many people uh, out there in the audience uh, who are more creative uh, than us uh, with naming of a space mission. And it's not often that you get to name something that will actually be in space. And it's really exciting. 
Actually, I mean, also uh, to add to that, I mean, the name is likely to stay because, uh, again, the Lagrange capability uh, from the L5 point, that's planned to remain. So uh, once we have had the first mission there, we will launch another one. And uh, very often, uh, again, with our relatively limited imagination of the mission naming, uh, <laughs> it's very likely that we will have uh, whatever the name is, we will then add a follow-on or two or something similar to that. So the same name will <laughs> actually remain there for decades that is something yeah this is a piece of um what's it called when you can live forever you become immortal in space yes, exactly exactly this is an opportunity for immortality <laughs> great okay well thank you for talking to us and for explaining why this mission is so exciting yeah thanks Jesse. thank you very much rosa so thanks for listening If you have an idea for the name of this exciting new mission, send us your proposals at isa.int forward slash name the mission. Your proposed name should have no more than three words. It must reflect the mission's aims and goals, and the winner will be selected in October 2021. Good luck!